Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M-I-P. With Masamela Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, happy to be here on the show with a very special guest. She's a senior advisor for strategic planning in the Biden campaign. Prior to that, um, she literally ran the war room during the impeachment process. If I were Donald Trump, I think I'd be scared of her. She goes from impeachment to the campaign. This woman is could be very dangerous to me. I, that's what I'd say if I were Trump. He may be saying and that. He'd be right. right. He'd be right. <laughs> he'd be right. And he may be saying that. We'll ask her. Ashley Etienne is with us. Ashley, good to see you again. How's everything going? How are you and the family faring in the pandemic? Good to see you again, too. We're doing well. You know, it's good to be blessed, be alive. I can say that I've had friends that have contracted the virus and none of them have lost their lives. So that's a blessing. Um, but, you know, we're ready to get out. of. As I was saying to you, we're ready to get out of these houses. You know, this is a clear sign of incompetency, a lack of leadership and a total disregard for the health and safety of this country on the part of this president. And it really infuriates me. And I'm like, I'm over the Zooms. I wanna start hugging my family again. I want my kids to go to school, which we all do. I mean, this is a shared experience yeah. that we're all going through for the first time in American history at any election. This is a shared experience, yeah. you know? And I think it, you know, it couldn't be again, more clear uh, what's at stake in this next election. And, um, and really, again, what failed leadership looks like. So is that it? It is a shared experience. Are people getting there just like in the Clinton years? What was it saying in the campaigns? It's the economy, stupid. Yeah. Is it that that it this time? Except it's the pandemic, stupid. That's it. Do Do you feel that's in really what mess, in, in terms of what we're saying to people? No, not only what you're saying, but yeah. what the public is feeling, what they're on. even saying to you. Yeah. No, I think. 
No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, and, and that's, that's reflected in the conversations that we're having. That's reflected in the polling. I mean, it's reflected in the news. It's reflected in people's faces. But the reality is, is, is it all makes sense because that's, just, that's what's central. It's central to us getting the economy back moving again, central to us getting back to some semblance of normalcy. You know, it's, it's central to our health and well-being. So the, the coronavirus is central to all of these things. None of these things will work until we tackle this issue. Right. Which again, you know, I mean, I was just telling someone the other day, you know, someone who's a little on the fence, like, I don't know, I don't know, like why you would know after four years of this, I'm not sure. But my point to him was, is that, you know, we don't call him the vice president for nothing. He was part of one of the most successful administrations in our nation's history and definitely within my lifetime. And they were tested and they got that 3 a.m. call and responded very differently. You remember Ebola, four people died in total. We're at 218,000, you know, leadership is you get together with the states, you form a 50, 51 plus state strategy to make sure that we're working as one cohesive unit as the United States, right? You don't turn your back on the states and tell them to fend for, uh, for, their, for themselves, you know, and you don't, you know, shrug your shoulders and say it is what it is in the face of American suffering, you know, 218,000, that's more than all the people we've lost and all the wars fought combined. And there's no end in sight. And I think that's what's scary. So that's how I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, so, that's the message. That's the message. <laughs> well, do, do, do people also, I mean, I think it's easy for people to get to, and I know this has been messaging too, that you have COVID and then you have an administration with the Supreme Court nominee that is an existential threat to healthcare itself, you put those two together, and knowing everybody voted on, you know, voted with the ACA as a priority in 2018, which they still, the Republicans still didn't get that. They didn't figure that out. But that's what people are concerned about when they vote in ACA. That was the message, ACA. So now you have COVID and the ACA under existential threat. It's kind of tough that both of those overlap. Yeah, and I feel like you've forgotten to include one, and that is ahead of all of that is a president who's willing to lie to the American people about the deadliness of the virus. We we cannot forget that. I mean, I just think when we, you know, again, not only does this election boil down to leadership, but it also boils down to character. You know, because you know, my daughter, my daughter said it poignantly the other day. She said, "Listen, Donald Trump's the bad guy, and the bad guy should never be the president of the United States." And I'm like, you're 100% right. To have someone who would intentionally lie to you, perpetuate, exacerbate a healthcare crisis, and then go to court and try to undermine the ACA, it's really the combination of it all, to your point, is really kind of sinister, if you ask me. I mean, it's scary. And, And that's what we're faced with. That's what's on the ballot in November. That's what the world could look like. You know, and people all continue to say to me, you know, well, he won't, he won't, he won't. I mean, what we've seen in the past four years is that with every passing day, this president gets more reckless. There are kids still trapped in cages celebrating their birthday, literally. So who knows what's, what this what this president is capable of? I mean, it's a scary thing. And it's unimaginable what he'd be capable of in the second term. If he acted like a fool, so, I mean, yeah. term, we're finished. So when we talk about some of the key demographics, too, 
Um, unfortunately, it was white women that went a little over the top for him in 2016. Then they came back to the Democrats um, mostly in 2018. Is that, will that hold? Because it seems to me there are two demographics here that we got to keep with us. It's them, white women, educated, not educated, whatever. And then there's this targeting of black men uh, through disinformation and, uh, and Ice Cube and all that. I'll come back to that second. But first, white women, will they hold? Are they holding? Is, is that going to, are they going to be there for us in a couple of weeks? I mean, I believe so. I feel like there's a lot of energy with the uh, with Senator when Senator Harris came on as a vice presidential vice presidential pick among women. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm among women. I think the one thing that uh, you know, women to <laughs> to be to give you the honest to God hundred percent truth here are the more superior species, right? Of the two. I don't disagree. And, you know, like, no, no objections there, right? So, so I say all this to say that what we didn't know four years ago is really clear to us now. Okay. If that makes any sense, like four years ago, you may have decided I'm gonna take a chance, I'm gonna run a risk. There's something about her I don't really like. What it is, it's very clear. Two hundred eighteen thousand people have lost their lives with no end in sight. Thirty million Americans are without are unemployed, without jobs. 40% of uh, Black-owned businesses are going under. One in four women-owned businesses are going under. Our kids are not in school. We're trying to work while homeschooling, while being a, you know, a, a mom, <clears throat> um, a housekeeper, whatever have you. So it's very clear to us now. And I think that, like, you know, again, because we're brilliant in, um, in our evaluation as women, I think there's no... There's no doubt in my mind they're going to turn out in big numbers. And that brilliance um, clearly does not exclude another existential threat with his Supreme Court nominee. And that's yeah. broke. I mean, so you go health, pandemic, health, ACA, health, row. I mean, that is. Essential. Yeah, I mean, like, let's not. Yeah, you, it doesn't even stop at row. You got VRA, you got voting rights, you got DACA. You got a lot that's on the line when you're talking about the Supreme Court. Um, and a lot that's hanging in the balance. But, you know, it also really drives and makes this point that we have to turn, that we have to turn out in high numbers, that elections actually matter up and down the ballot, up and down the ballot. This is what's clear also in the in the SCOTUS uh, fight. So we need folks to, to turn out and vote early. We need them to vote up and down the ticket, that all of these, all of these um, races matter. You know, if we had the Senate, we, you know, we this would be in a different, we'd be in a different set of circumstances if we had the majority in the Senate. So I say, I would say that there are states that are in play, Georgia and others, where we need folks to turn out in big numbers. And that's really the focus now, which is um, of the, for the campaign is to not only make the case, you know, on the issues that, in, where you know, the issues that matter most to folks, but in the places where it ma matters most to folks. So we're double downing in the battleground states where it, ma where it matters and making sure we're making the case there that listen, you got to not only are we turning out for the top of the ticket, but up and down the ticket, mayor, everybody's on the ballot. So anyway, so I say that to say, no, you're right. I mean, you know, there's a lot at stake and a lot at stake for women in this next election. There's a lot that hangs in the balance for a lot of folks on a lot of different fronts. So clearly, you but the solution is the voting, right? I mean, it is. people have to come, I mean, short and long term. 
Hey, peeps, it's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. You've expressed that women are the superior species. I've agreed. You know, we'll stipulate that. So I can imagine what your response is going to be to my next question. What about these black men? Some are being used, most are being targeted for disinformation. I have probably, uh, you know, worn out my welcome on a lot of Twitter feeds because there's this argument made black men should vote for Trump or black men should not vote at all. What do you what are your thoughts about that? What are the campaign thoughts? What are you all doing to try to keep black men on board so you know i think to use another word that we've already that i've already used uh is sinister you know the targeting of disinformation to anyone uh you know is sinister you know i I don't like the feel of you know feels like cheating which is what it is right and i think there's there's nothing more um offensive than to feed people lies so anyway, so I am personally offended by it. Um, I will say this, you know, we have put an incredible amount of focus on engaging black men through our principles and the entirety of the campaign. You know, um, Vice President Biden had a black economic summit in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. We engaged small, uh, small uh, black owned businesses um, Several of them were owned by black men. Senator Harris did the same in Michigan. She's led a couple, you know, more than two or three shop talks. We have a program called Shop Talks where it creates a safe space for brothers to talk about issues that they're facing that are unique to their experiences in life and why why they think that the Biden-Harris ticket will um, address those and and uh, meet those needs. So anyway, so she's done several of those events in Michigan. She met with black small, small business owners and met in a barbershop uh, and, and engaged black men. And um, so up and down the spectrum, we've been, been having a lot of conversations engaging black men. I think, you know, I can give you a campaign answer, but I, I'd rather give you a personal answer, which is that, um, you know, we this we're in a tough spot as a nation, and we're being as people squeezed from all different ends, and folks are feeling the pressure. Um, all of us are, and especially black men. This administration has been particularly cruel to black men. Um, black male unemployment is more than doubled under the current administration. Uh, not only. Uh, you know, has this president since day one, since Barack Obama came onto the scene, tried to make him an illegitimate president, to to demean him, um, to call into question his citizenship. I mean, is there anything more offensive than that? Um, You know, to the Central Park Five, to stoking racial animus, like all of that are we experiencing and are Black men experiencing? So, you know, I, I was married to one and my dad is one. I love black men dearly. And, you know, and my heart goes, goes out to them in particular in this campaign, you know, as best as we can in the midst of a lot of noise, 
is trying desperately to communicate our um, our love, admiration, and appreciation for need to partner with Black men. But it's getting, you know, it's getting lost. A lot of it is getting lost. And, um, you know, and the disinformation is high. There's a lot of forces behind that. There's a lot of money behind it. But the reality is, is our expressions are sincere. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't be at the table if they weren't. I mean, I am encouraged by, you know, Senator Harris being at the table as well, because she sees us, she's, she's FUBU for us, by us, right? Like all of that. So anyway, so I say that to say, um, sorry, that was a long answer, but I say all that to say that, you know, that we have been doing really great work listening and engaging with Black men. I think it's getting lost in all the noise. I, you know, we regret and are offended by the fact that people would serve up disinformation and, and try to, you know, do what we saw happen in 16 successfully. Same ish, same thing happened in 16. Remember with Super Predator, right. right? Facebook came out and like all this money being hyper-targeted to Black people. I mean, literally, these are the same tactics that were used. You know, I've been in politics for a while, only 20 years. But like, I remember them putting flyers on people's cars outside of the church on Sunday, telling people to vote the wrong. I mean, it's all part of that effort to keep us from voting. And we can't allow that to happen. Well, you've described it as being kind of lost in the noise. You know, is there strategy to ramp up um, what the campaign is doing to reach out to black men? And I'm aware of all the things you said, and they're, they're all great things. But now Ice Cube has taken over yeah. the new cycle, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's causing confusion. Have you all thought about, you know, anything to do in the next couple of weeks to kind of counter him, counter some of this confusion? Yeah, I mean, part of what we're doing and we're working on now as we speak is um, having both of our principals speak directly to the community. So we're working on that now, um, and that's going to come out in multiple different forms. So that's as, as much as I can give you, but that's the oh. idea is to us to speak directly to the community in an unfiltered way. Okay. And, you know, and then what we what we have are validators and you know, mayors uh, from all the ma major cities and local officials and pastors and community leaders that are all validating for the campaign. And we have to hope that some, some of that penetrates through. I mean, the reality is this, and I said this to you earlier, that we're trying to do something that no other national campaign has done. The way that normal campaigns work, right? You can get a lot of traction and a lot of amplification, right? Like, because you're hitting every city. It's a big rally, big news the, you know, the rappers and the artists are out doing rallies. We're in churches every Sunday. Like none of that is happening. This is a whole new world in terms of campaigning that nobody has ever, ever dealt with. And I think folks need to think about these when we talk about strategies and what's penetrating through that lens is that we're at 99% digital campaign. We're not a ground campaign, right? A ground, you know, Black folks, we like to be touched and feel, I want to see you in my community. We can't, None of that can happen because of COVID has challenged all of that. So anyway, so I say that to say that like there's a lot of competing factors, but no doubt. I mean, there's been, you know, uh, you know, the great conversations. Again, a lot of events, great conversations that we've held as a campaign and we'll continue to do that. And in the coming days, we're going to speak directly to the community about these issues. Um, battlegrounds. Yes. Um, give us your analysis of some of them. 
where you kind of see at this hour um, the path to victory, which battlegrounds there the path to victory may go through? Is it the traditional ones everybody's been talking about up to this point, or are you seeing some other avenues? And and how confident are you feeling about some of these battlegrounds? Well, let me just tell you, I mean, they're all battlegrounds to me. I mean, like we have to, I mean, you get my point, like we have to turn up and turn out in big numbers all over the country. But the ones that, and to your point, the ones that are most critical, we're looking at uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. Um, So that's the universe of states that are, uh, you know, are getting a lot of attention and we're most focused on. Are, is the campaign, are you anticipating what the trick, so to speak, is gonna be November 3rd? I mean, we know they've got Trump and Putin have something up their sleeve. Yeah. How creative has your imagination been to perhaps participate in advance what they might do? Incredibly creative. Okay. You know, there's probably like, you know, a dozen different scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, that one could think through. Um, but I can't give you any more than that than to say that people are preparing for it, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd be foolish not to. The president made very clear in the last debate that he was going to do everything in his power. Well, I mean, that's why he was impeached. You know, if we go back to impeachment, I mean, he said it plainly on video, you know, and on tape, you know, um, that he was going to try to cheat the election. So, yeah, people are preparing for these scenarios. But let me just tell you, this is why we are going around the country and, you know, I'm spending hours and hours of doing radio and talking to folks because we have to tell people to go out and vote early. People now all over the country and all these states are ba- are voting early. Um uh, and the reality is, is like, it has to be decisive on the third, decisive, clear on the third. Mm-hmm. So we need folks to come out and vote in big numbers before that point. So, um, so yeah, I mean, cause the reality is, is, you know, he's going to attempt some shenanigans um, and we have to be prepared. You have to be prepared with resources. You got to be prepared with manpower and that's, you know, activity where, you know, focused activity and energy and as well as, uh, you know, to your point, you have to be incredibly strategic and again, just prepare for anything. As a lead staffer, lastly, on the impeachment, um, I think it did. What do you think? I mean, the impeachment helped um, to inform the public, even though he yeah. wasn't removed, it, it still served a very important purpose. So people could kind of see, wait a minute, what's going on here? Something isn't right. And I think that got through to a lot of people. No, I think it was incredibly successful. I um, was just watching an old videotape of um, Mr. Cummings, one of my former bosses, Mm -hmm. and it was a press conference. And, um, you know, and he made this point in the press conference that he was talking about Mueller in particular, the Mueller report is the benefit of the report um, was that it started to create and build this narrative about the president. So it's all part of this building block and developing and creating this whole picture of who and what we're dealing with. You know, then he went on to say things like, you know, this is not about hating the president. This is about loving American democracy and like, you know, just giving me giving me chills all over again. But his point was, is that it started to build the picture. So Mueller was a big part of that picture. 
impeachment was more of that picture in terms of what this president is capable of. Who, who would have ever thought the president of the United States would admit it, admit to trying to cheat the election mm-hmm. and be so brash about it. I mean, that's the, and then no one's saying anything about it. Like, it's like, I'm I'm living in an alternate universe. I'm like, is anyone else hearing this clearly? The president of the United States is saying that he's going to, to nullify your vote. Yeah. That, your vote, that's what's incredible about it. So nevertheless, so it was incredible. It was an, definitely an important moment to further, play out and roll in and make that set that set that picture and that narrative. But I think also what made very clear, and this is how you got the Lincoln project and all this other kind of energy is where everybody stands in this dynamic. You know what I mean? We were smoking people out like, okay, where, where are you standing? Are you on the side of red, white, and blue in American democracy? Or are you not? Okay. And if you're not, you're getting rolled over. You know what I mean? We're coming for you. And so that, so I think it was good for all of those reasons. It made clear what this president is capable of. And literally, I think it reinforced, ideally, this level of patriotism. Absolutely. Folks, Ashley Etienne has been our guest. She's a senior advisor for strategic planning. As I said, she was also the lead general in the impeachment process. And she's right, folks. We have got to vote. If you're listening to this, when it's finished, do what you have to do to vote early. Do not wait until November 3rd. That's right. We need to close this out early, uh, wherever you may be, and vote up and down the ballot. And of course, Ashley, we want people to also visit IWillVote.com. That's right. Correct. Uh, You alluded to it, but just to get you on the record, your thoughts as a Black woman having a Black woman for the first time on the ticket. And you, you uh, talked about your daughter earlier. I mean, just what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, in, it's, it's, you know, I actually haven't found the right words to describe it yet, you know, because it, it is that impactful, that meaningful. And, um, and to really see that level of progress, it could get you, you know, it makes me get all emotional. It really does. I was just saying how um, my daughter, um, she got, when I was growing up, you couldn't find a black doll. You know, you had to have some money. Right. We had to have somebody like sew it out of crochet for us, like literally to have a little black doll. And so my daughter got sent from one of my former White House colleagues, the the Barbie election series. And, you know, and it's got every shade of girl in the box now, which is, you know, incredibly. Uh, and I, my daughter gets it and she immediately opens it up and I was like, which one's your favorite? And she picks out the black Barbie who happens to be like a chocolate sister. You know what I mean? Like chocolate. And she's president of the United States. So for me, what it's about, it's about, you know, my daughter being able to pick up the black Barbie and be proud and excited to have one and to see her be the most powerful figure in, uh, um, in the country, I think is incredible. And, you know, the Senator is about to realize that, you know, she's about to be number two most powerful woman in the world and to have my daughter grow up to be held by Barack Obama and then to see, you know, the VP be, be Kamala Harris sworn in is just going to be incredible. And to say I was there both times. That's right. <laughs> I mean, blessings on blessings on blessings. You know what I mean? Indeed, indeed. Ashley Etienne with us, folks. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Thank you, Good sir. luck. And we're going right. to see this home, okay? That's right. See you soon. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. 
And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.